Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm your host, Kelsey Kemp. I'm an ex-tech consultant turned career coach, podcaster, and speaker helping Christians discern their unique calling and create a career that's aligned with it so you could be as faithful and impactful as possible with the decades of work ahead. Here at Answer the Call, we gather around a new topic each Tuesday to help you gain clarity and confidence on what you're specifically called to do with your career, as well as just smart strategies to help you get there. So today, we have the pleasure of hearing from my dear friend from college, Alden Moore, who is an accounting major turned startup junkie now serving as the VP of Finance and Strategic Partnerships at VOCO, a company configuring voice control technology for seniors and senior living communities. In this episode, we talk about so many good things, among them, what it's like to get caught up in the conveyor belt to traditional success, like going to business school and becoming an accountant and climbing the corporate ladder, and what it's actually like to make the decision to jump off that path to follow the unique calling that God has for you according to things like your personality, talents, passions, and the like. Alden also shares what it's like to work in the startup world and practical advice and tools that you could leverage to get into the startup realm if that's something you're interested in, whether you want to join a startup or found your own. And in this episode, I do want to mention something that I think could really help that I've created for you, uh, kind of along the lines of something we talked about a lot, which is how to make career decisions that are aligned with your calling and your core values. But first, you have to understand what your core values actually are. And for this, I have created a free in-depth guide so you could know exactly, one, what your core or what core values are in general. Um, and two, how to identify the three core values that will lead you to make a career and life decisions that are satisfying in the long run. And three, this guide will help you know exactly what questions to ask yourself to make sure you're properly honing in those three or honoring those three values next time you're making a big decision. To get this guide, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode, or if it's easier for you, you could just go to my website, kelseykemp.com, and grab it right from the pop-up window on my homepage. Like the first thing you'll see, just scroll down a little bit, bada-bing, bada-boom, you'll see it, and download it. Just go to kelseykemp.com, you can't miss it, and you won't want to skip out on the information included in that guide I've made for you. You are just going to love this conversation with Alden, so I won't keep it from you any longer. Enjoy. Alden, welcome. I'm so grateful to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes. Okay. I just want to get right into it because your story is super fascinating, and I've loved just observing where you've taken your career after college, just getting right into the startup world and I feel like you always have a million ideas going and actually making good on them. So really, really excited to get into that. But first, if that wasn't just like a little bit of intrigue, can you just give us a little context? Like, who are you? Where are you at? What you up to in life right now? Sure. So right now I'm working with a, a small team doing a little tech startup. Um, it's called Voco. We do 
uh, we reprogram and configure voice controlled technology like Amazon Alexa, Google Home, those kinds of things for seniors and senior living communities. Um, it just is an intuitive uh, way for older adults or non-technology natives to interact with technology. And then we build aspects around that for them to call help, doctor's appointments, medication reminders, those kinds of things that you know, help improve various aspects of their lives. That is so cool. Okay, I can't help but think of all the commercials I saw growing up for Life Alert. <laughs> like those little necklaces. This just sounds yeah. like the actual 2019 much better equivalent of that. And that's the only thing that still is out there. You know, as far as nurse calling systems, that's still the best is those little Life Alert necklaces. But so many of the people we work with just... Uh, they just don't wear it. You know, they, they give it to everyone. They're like, this is for old people. I'm not going to wear this. <laughs> and so they leave it on their counter, but everyone can fall, you know. So uh, to have something like that that they can call out from anywhere in their apartment and get help immediately is, is great. And then, you know, we try to address not only the physical health side of things, but the emotional and social and mental health aspects as well. So the devices are loaded up with, you know, tons of things to engage uh, and develop their, their cognitive function, um, to engage them in their community and increase the connectivity and social engagement, um, which decreases the likelihood of um, heart disease and, and mental decline by like over 50% and decreases uh, the likelihood of, of, of death, you know, early death by nearly 50%, 45%. Holy um, psychologically, socially, that's very important. And then uh, lastly, we just try to you know, create an environment to where they feel more independent and, mm -hmm. and secure. So uh, genius. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll see. I, so it's, it's been exciting. We're, you know, and we're expanding quickly. It's only about a year and a half old. But you know, we're in California, Arizona. Um, Illinois, Texas, obviously, it's where we're based, and, and Pennsylvania. So, Heck we're excited yes. about it. Alden, quite entertaining to watch your career from, from afar. Oh, not from afar, we're pals, but um, <laughs> I, I'd love to go back and give the picture of how did you get to this point, and also where are you going? Because I know just you're such an entrepreneurial type that there's always so much ahead and what you'd like to do. And like, obviously I'm also just so interested in the calling aspect. Like what is just, yeah. where have you felt led? What has just felt logical and linear and the mix between that, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So if you wouldn't mind, like just going back a bit briefly into your background, like where did you grow up? Um, and a bit of like how faith was a part of that and how that got introduced to your life. And then we'll kind of go a little bit into college and what you did there. Awesome. So grew up in relatively small town in East Texas, right outside of Tyler. In um, wonderful family, faith-based, uh, great parents. Um, I'm in Tyler right now for the holidays, actually. Um, <laughs> and so wonderful childhood, was introduced to, to Christianity and, and faith, accepted that uh, very early on in life. So most of my faith journey was um, just developing that, uh, that relationship with, with God and, mm. um, and exploring 
that idea of calling um, and, and what uh, God had for me. And mm. uh, we can get into some of those specifics later, potentially, but um, kind of was blessed again with a great circle of friends growing up that were you know, very encouraging in that faith uh, walk. Um, still very close to all of them today through high school and, and even junior high. Um, and then came to A&M, very sure that I was going to do accounting and do PPA and uh, go and work for a big four accounting firm and, um, you know, do that for a couple of years, maybe join a client after that and have a very kind of standard step-by-step -step because that's, that's the process. That's really? Alden, I am shocked. Let me just assert how shocked I am because, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess seeing how entrepreneurial I, I view you to be, I mean, quite technically, like you've uh -huh. dabbled in a lot of startups and that's now what you're going into full time and all this. Um, yeah. I, never pictured you as the type that just was like, you know, I'm just going to go to good old Texas A&M and I'm going to major in accounting and just do all the kind of like be on the conveyor belt to success. Was, yeah. One, it just took, it, there was so much cognitive dissonance that whole time too, because mm -hmm. of kind of what you were talking about. Um, and, and I knew, I think deep down that that wasn't what I was called to, or that that wasn't my passion or, or fulfilling, but it was just... Mm -hmm you know, through my life, I had developed through high school or, or whatever, I had been very successful by following the path, by jumping through yes. the right hoops and doing the right, you know, quote unquote, right things. And so you're really disincentivized to try anything else, you know? So there's, I would have a, a life crisis every year, somewhere around late March, early April, probably. It was pretty, pretty well scheduled. <laughs> Um, where I would just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, I always would give the analogy of feeling like I was on the train, like, and I knew where the destination was. I knew where it was going. Um, but I knew I didn't want to go to that destination. I knew that wasn't what I felt called to, but, uh, but I didn't know when to jump off you know? Mm -hmm. um, yes. I remember you using that exact analogy when we were seniors and our group of friends were kind of getting together and having somewhat of a sober chat of like, wow, we're about to graduate. What are we doing? And yeah. many of us did pick that, like we're on the train. We're just playing the game, jumping through the hoops that are expected and we'll see where it leads, knowing where it leads <laughs> and like maybe not really feeling aligned with that truly. But I remember you um, teetering on that decision. Do I do I jump off now? Mm -hmm. Like I'll have. I think that you knew you had to eventually. Um, so I'm I'm interested. Maybe I'm jumping ahead and in, uh, interrupting you. But I anyway. That's just kind no, of a yeah. special memory of like that's definitely something that you thought about and we talked about at that time. And you through that experience and through some of the experiences after that. I think God revealed to me a little bit that it's like, Alden, you're being a little melodramatic about this whole train thing. <laughs> and and it, was, it was a good thing because I'd used that analogy with so many people and that was really how I was thinking about that decision. But eventually he was like, this train in your mind 
is is entirely made up. Your your destiny is not being defined by the circumstances or the pressures around you. You are you're not in a train, you're in a car. Like you wow. can you don't have to you know, make this heroic you know jump and leap into fate. Like you you have a steering wheel. You can turn when you want to turn. You can change directions when you want to change directions. Um, you know, you're you are in control of your future um if you if you take the wheel and yes and make those decisions and so the the ultimate transition for me from i'm going to go big four and you go along the probably early promotion partner route and do that Mm -hmm. thing to where i am today which is nearly 180 degrees opposite (laughs) from that Um, very very close to 180 degrees yeah was was really turned out to be a more of a series of of turns rather than some dramatic you know fling myself into the great unknown um position that is so so interesting i i you know i think that this philosophical discussion is worth having so i'm going for it i'm taking the bait because when i i very much relate to everything that you're saying i mean we have such a similar background we kind of had have a i think a similar spirit of being entrepreneurial i mean obviously that's how we both ended up um and always having all these ideas and kind of dreams of what we want to do with that, but being intrigued and incentivized to take the carrot down the conveyor belt or on the train and whatever. Um, But when I finally did, I actually did really relate to the train analogy. And it, it, it only started feeling like, I guess, to this image that you painted, like I was driving the car once I made the first big, big leap, because it's like when I quit, decided to quit my corporate job after the standard, like two years and I, okay, I did my minimums. Like I did the business major and I did the internships and the uh, consulting and all this stuff. I felt like I was so deep in making decisions according to the framework that I needed a huge paradigm shift. And then after that, once I proved to myself, it was worth ripping myself out of that life that was not meant to be mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that it took a big like unrooting basically. And then I started to feel like, okay, actually every day I get to make these decisions, which <laughs> also being self-employed, it's like very much <laughs> the life goes They're like, wow, okay. I'm in control of everything. <laughs> but anyway, like, I don't know. That's interesting that. No from, doubt that the uh, further you go down that path, the harder it gets mm-hmm. to, to tear yourself away. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's easiest to, I think, grab hold of that will and start commanding your own destiny <laughs> in some ways, you know, or, or uh, aligning your actual path to what you feel called to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's easiest in high school and then slightly harder than that, but fairly easy in college. And then, you know, it just gets progressively harder. But that doesn't mean that later down the road, you know, it, it's just as valuable, obviously, and, and definitely yeah. should do it. But it's not a decision to be put off. You know, I talk to so many people who uh, feel an entrepreneurial drive or a passion. So many students, mainly, and adults, and, you know, career people, um, who 
say, well, I, I love that. I really feel that's my passion. That's my calling. But I'm going to go and I'm going to you know, build a nice financial base so that it won't be as dramatic. Um, I'm going to get some experience, et cetera. And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's nice. In my head, I'm thinking, you're not going to do it. Like, you're never going to make the jump because it's only going to get harder. Um, wow, yeah. <laughs> it, and, and obviously, you can. You know, obviously, you did and a lot of people do. But it's, it's never easier than right now. Mm, to make yes. that transition into what you feel called to. Oh, yes. Good point. I'm just thinking of, I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard, I don't know, this saying that the first best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second <laughs> best day is today. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's exactly. how it goes. But um, can you talk us through that season where you shifted from like the conveyor belt, like you were majoring in accounting, doing all the check mark down the list things mm -hmm. um, for like traditional success, and you decided to transition transition into um, like doing something that was more according to your nature and your calling, which is more entrepreneurial. Right. So it started probably with you know, doing an internship with a big four. Uh, accounting firm, doing management strategy consulting. I mean, just straight down that path. The same um, company. We, we, I yep, worked. same company. Same company. And great company. Nothing against yeah. them. I actually uh, loved my internship. I had a great yeah. time. Mm -hmm. um, and, but just getting to the end of it and uh, realizing I know exactly where I'm going to be in this path in two years and in five years and in 15 years and all of those are good places there's nothing wrong with any of them but it's not where i want to be um and it's not you know what i feel like what i was made for what i feel called to maybe um and so just begin exploring other opportunities more actively um turn down that full-time offer well before anything else had come together that was that was by far the most jump off the train type feeling like the scariest yeah. moment um yeah. was having nothing else lined up i think i had only applied for teach for america at that point mm -hmm. um which was a fairly long shot anyway um and so that was my plan for a while tfa and then you know other things came together but it was uh it was really kind of cool to see and i've seen several of my friends go down this path as well since you know since then um but just how opportunities come your way yeah you know like you you think if you're turning if you're shutting one door you know like what if what if this what if nothing ever opens up what if mm -hmm. you know the customers never come what if i don't have any other offers ever and those are those are good but i think not letting myself be defined by those what ifs and just trusting that you know, one trusting God, certainly, um, that he's you know, not going to let you just, you know, if you're actively trying to pursue him, things, things will come, things will happen. Yep. Um, and, you know, trusting in yourself a little bit too, of like, you're smart, you're capable, like you, you can make something happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think both those are, you know, 
important. And, and I think that's what started that transition. Um, and then along that path, I started dating my now wife, yes. um, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren. <who is laughs> amazing. And we'll talk about her a few more times, probably throughout this hour. As you um, should. I can attest. Let me just say it right now. Incredible. You guys, oh, y'all are something else. Two geniuses amazing. together. She's amazing. Um, but she played such an important role to end that process. Um, one, by being honestly, I felt like mm-hmm. your path um, within the programs that we were in uh, within the business school is so laid out even to some degree of like who you should date and marry, you know, and the, <laughs> yes. the wildlife and fishery major um, from across campus just wasn't in that path, you know, yeah, so she was not that she wasn't. Um, <laughs> she's amazing and brilliant and beautiful, but uh, not the not the prescribed, um, you know, fellows person. Um, so like the, the professional, that kind of sounds weird, but like if anybody doesn't know who, what fellows is, it's like oh, a yeah, professional yeah. development program that we are a part of, like fellows. Of course you wouldn't be a fellow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, even taking that step of like, I'm going to date the person that I love. Um, yes. but, but then her being engaged in my life, uh, and having such an amazing grounding on what her calling is and um, passion to, to pursue that and for others to pursue theirs and just total lack of care of anything else. What yes. people think about her or what she's doing, money, career prestige, none of that. Like I've never met someone who cares about it less. Um, just really freed me to, to pursue some of those things. And, so then I, I got an offer um, from a young startup uh, that I had run into in a pitch competition um, through one of my finance classes uh, to run their accounting, finance, and sales. Um, I was Big employed position. At, yeah, yeah, business. Run the business part because we're engineers and we don't care about any of that. Um, <laughs> I was employee number three. It was a very, very small team. Um, and that just kind of kicked off the career side of things. So, um, Wow. Yeah. And this is all within the container of your senior year, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a wild senior year. Heck, yes. <laughs> and the whole time I'm seeing you go through all this, I'm like, dang. Should I? And you, you probably... We had a lot of conversations about yes. that. <laughs> yeah. I, it was two years of me witnessing your path and being like, oh, man, should I... Should I have jumped when he did? Uh, <laughs> I, I remember. Mean, oh, go ahead. Do you remember sitting at Antonio's Pizza yes. uh, in Northgate? And we had this, you, just you and I, and we had this conversation. And you, you talked about how you kind of felt called to more of a, an entrepreneurial thing, potentially even with your sister. Yeah. Um, and you, you didn't have like kind of an idea of what that mm-hmm. was going to be yet, but even back then you knew kind of the path that you're going to go on. Yes. Yep. I definitely, it's funny how vehemently I ended up defending my stance as like, 
at going down the conveyor belt doing the traditional things and like the check mark successful career which like the cognitive dissonance as you said was like at an all-time high because <laughs> I've never been about that ever since uh -huh. I was a little kid so just really interesting so I kind of think how you described Lauren to you and inspiring mm -hmm. you to be more authentic and follow your calling rather than just the logical path. I think your influence in my life was kind of chipping away at that for, <laughs> for the two years it took for me to finally catch up. But anyway, enough about me, more about you. So um, how did things continue to play out once you graduated and you're now in the startup world full time and you starting as employee number three, I'm pretty, how did that end up? It wasn't it like employee, I don't know, 50 or 100 or yeah, something. So it was, it was a roller coaster. Um, my whole career has been a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, ups and downs. <laughs> it's been awesome though. Uh, wildly entertaining for me and everyone who just likes watching it. Yes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I came on employee number three. We we barely even had an idea of a product, certainly no real product yet. Um, over two years of working with that organization, uh, the company just really exploded. Um, fairly international recognition, 50-something uh, employees. We went through a major merger at the end of that two years and, and led into a, a big fundraising round, um, which I had the opportunity to help out with, which was a lot of fun. So that was an amazing experience. Very, very Silicon Valley startup-esque, you know, we're flying all over the country, you know, these private jets wow. and meeting with investors. <laughs> Meanwhile, wildly unprofitable, um, <laughs> losing tons of money. Um, but, you know, the potential is, is there. So uh, that was, that was fun and got to experience that whole side of, of startup living. Um, and you know, rapidly growing team. Um, it was very exciting, very exciting and wonderful people, uh, which was a blessing to work with. Um, after that merger though, um, you know, with all mergers, companies just change a lot. And, uh, so that just provided a good opportunity for several of us to move on to something else. Um, after that, I was kind of recruited in to help some people start a commodity hedge fund. Sure. Um, okay. How old were you at this point? Twenty <laughs> three, uh, I think. Great. And uh, maybe twenty, first... maybe twenty four. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, still generous. Well, uh, but and at the first startup, weren't you like the informal or formal? CFO or sales lead or something? Eff effectively CFO, yeah. I did all the all the projections, all the accounting, um, all the Sheesh. yeah, all all the analysis and you know FPNA, um, developed pricing for all of the products, <laughs> that kind of thing, which was which was cool. I, I joked that uh, I should have given at least a quarter of my salary to Google because. Everything that I did was just how to you know, <laughs> write a business plan. You know, everything was yes. just self-taught. Um, yes. But you totally can't. You know, you, you think you're just wildly underqualified for something, but mm -hmm. uh, you can figure it out if you start. Exactly. Let that be a lesson to us all. That I mean, I even read this book recently. Everything is figure outable by Marie <laughs> Forleo. I, I think that I really just could have read the title and been like, oh yeah. 
true. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like one Google session at a time. That's yep. how you, you can figure start it your out. own business. That's how you function as a CFO, as a 22, three, four-year-old. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, I don't know. Crazy. But okay. You are now so, at this hedge fund. At this hedge fund. Um, this work turned out to be more of a, more that downhill, like stomach churning part of the roller coaster. <laughs> Just turned out to be a total disaster. Um but I was, I was actually, this was probably the least involved in management or decision-making I've been in my career. I was just a trader um, mm -hmm. and advised them on some of the financial setup and accounting and that kind of thing, but really just a trader. Um, and so I just watched this all unfold as uh, a lot of ethical um, things started to kind of unravel and the chief compliance officer let me in on uh, some not great stuff going on um, <laughs> yeah. by by upper management um, in in upper management's feud with the investor of the organization, um, and but expressed that the culture was such that he felt as though the chief compliance officer felt as though he couldn't say anything. Um, or do anything, um, which is fair. It was a it was a very um, oppressive, I guess, culture. You know, a, a lot like of it. threats and um, threats of violence, etc. And so he felt like he his hands were tied. Um, and so, anyway, just kind of let the the investor know some of the things that I'd been brought into because I felt like he had a right to know. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that ended about a week and a half after that, com after that conversation with the investor, yes. um, as, as one might predict after, after sharing some of those things. So, so that ended, but in wonderful timing as, you know, God's things tend to be, um, right as the, my co-founders of Boco, uh, the company I'm with now mm -hmm. needed someone else to step in and, and help guide through kind of a transitionary period. So they had been running Boco for just, just around a year at that point. And, uh, and so I was able to come in and, and join this team and their friends from Ascentium, the first, the uh, first company. Time. And, uh, and that's been just a wonderful experience. Wow. Okay. <laughs> We have some things to unpack in all of that. I'm curious, just from a high-level view, what did you learn that you, I guess, along the phase, uh, each phase of going from your now, I guess, in your third startup, mm -hmm. um, what was the progression of learning what you wanted more of and what you wanted less of? Like, what did you feel really affirmed? Like, oh, this was a good choice and this is really, like what I'm meant to be doing and like, oh, okay, I'm changing my path because of this now. Yes. Number one most important people or most important thing is the people, is the team that you're engaged with. No amount of potential upside or opportunity um, or excitement or salary um, is going to make up for working with people whom you don't trust, who you don't feel um, 
morally or ethically aligned with um mm. or who you just don't enjoy spending time with because you're going to spend more time with them than likely your own family um so that's the number one thing working with people that that you know and like and and above all trust yes um is is huge in in my decision making process now um mm. additionally it's important you know just as a financial advisor would try to put you in a set of securities that match your risk tolerance it's important to to be in a uh organization that matches your risk tolerance as well um for me i tend to be in kelsey you're probably the same way fairly risk tolerant almost to the point of like risk seeking um, yes. i enjoy it i i like look for it and without it i get bored but honestly yeah. if that's not you um mm. then you can end up and and you see this sometimes jumping into what will probably end up being a great opportunity but getting freaked out and and quitting before you get there uh, yes. before you reach that that end because it's just not the right fit for you just like a risk intolerant person jumping into small cap you know micro cap S&P stocks or something and uh you know freaking out and pulling all their money out at the at the low because startups are going to have huge lows yeah um so matching your risk tolerance with the risk of the organization be that how mature the organization is or um their their style of growth or whatever um and then lastly it's been really important for me as I've worked through these different processes um to be engaged with an organization whose mission um is something higher than just making money you know there's mm. something that can connect to uh my heart that can connect to my faith um where i feel like i'm i'm putting good into the world outside of of just building you know capital or building capital markets and again there's nothing wrong with that i certainly yeah. i was a trader at a oil and gas hedge fund like <laughs> the purely providing liquidity to the oil and gas market and that's a good thing because that's that's necessary um but for me especially in startups which are so up and down and so yeah uh you know late nights and weekends and whatever is required um for me there's no amount of money potential down the road that makes me think it's worth it like mm. it's worth the risk it's worth the late nights there has to be something you know essentium was 3d printing part of what they did was 3d printing prosthetic limbs for uh people in third world and veterans who had been injured in in war voco you know were helping improve the health of of older adults. Yeah, you know, those kinds of things are are important to me personally. Even if even if those aren't the specific things that I even feel called for for my whole career. You know, I I'm, I'm not necessarily called to help older adults. That that's not like my deep calling from my childhood. Yeah. But having that aspect to, to my job is really important to me. Yes. If I don't remember, remind me to ask you like what you do feel called to, but just kind of like <laughs> Don't worry, Kelsey. I'm sure you'll get there. That's literally the point of this podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, backing up to the first thing that you said of how important it is to work with people that you genuinely know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. That 
kind of pulled me back to an earlier point that you mentioned of being willing to say no and trust that God will provide another option and not just like God will care for you, but also trust in the abilities and intelligence he has equipped you with and entrusted you with to have go create another opportunity. So I think that there has to be not just like a, an awareness of it's very important to me to work with people that I know, like, and trust, but a willingness to make good on that as you have by being willing to say no to things that might be good on all other fronts. Um, And that goes to with like anything, any core value that any person holds, you have to be willing to make good on those core values by saying no to things that don't live up to them to the amount that is important to you. Cause of course not everything is perfect, but um, so I think that I, that's just one thing that I wanted to note. Um, And then also on your second point about, matching or consider considering your risk tolerance um i think it it just made me think also of like considering your nature Mm -hmm. if you are someone that's like the no risk no fun which is literally a family motto of (laughs) mine um like i think that we just have to be willing also to say no to things that are like just realizing you're not going to be happy uh, saying yes to all the security and things that other people value. Um, So that's another thing that you really stuck to your core values on, which um, is something that we get to celebrate now that we hear all all the fruits that that led to. But I think that those are just the observations I had. And now (laughs) I'm going to go back to that question I had (laughs) of like, what, what is it that you feel called to do? Absolutely. So that's a great question. From a very early, early on, actually, you know, probably, I don't know how old exactly, but, but young, I felt called to, and it's to a specific verse um, that, that I read then, but effectively care for the poor, you know, feed, feed the hungry, um, give water to the thirsty, clothe, you know, the needy, the naked. Um, and that's been kind of a guiding, I don't even know if I can honestly say a guiding force because there have definitely been times where I've, my own arrogance or my own whatever have led me maybe even away from that, but that has been a constant, you know, clarity in, in my calling from a very early age. The process from that has been con- continually trying to discern and uh, cement maybe what that means or, you know, what that, how that should manifest itself specifically for my life. And even as we're talking, even as I was preparing for this conversation, I realized maybe for the first time in such clarity that 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 doesn't have to have one manifestation, Um, that it doesn't necessarily translate into this one thing for you, Alden, um, but a life may be defined by that uh, overview or that arc. Um, and so, you know, I, I've battled back and forth almost my whole life. Is this 
in the old parable or the old story of the monk and the merchant, you know, am I called to, to be the monk? Am I called to full-time you know, starting a homeless shelter or a nonprofit and growing that and building that? Maybe, maybe yes. I felt very clear you know, that that was my path early on in my life. And part of the reason that I chose accounting and that kind of thing was, was actually to go in that direction. Um, I worked into ministry. Yeah. Um, I had worked, you know, with Habitat for Humanity. Um, I worked with a group, you know, that ran orphanages and churches in Uganda. Mm -hmm. I was full on that. And I saw how much better organizations were run if the individual uh, at the top or the, you know, the management team had some basis in true business. And so I was like, well, I'll go and study business and, and go into that. Um, at different times, but then, you know, I get battled back. Maybe my role is more the merchant. Maybe it's to, you know, make money and give to the already amazing organizations that do those things. You know, is it, mm-hmm. should I create a new almost competitor to the amazing, you know, sea of organizations that already uh, do those things, or should I just provide them the resources that they need? Um, and I think that manifestation or that uh, spec- you know, specific realization of that calling from you know, making money and giving money to maybe starting something or whatever um, is going to continue to ebb and flow in different ways throughout the rest of my career. Um, but I try to keep that calling somewhat front of mind um, in each step along the way. So. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're speaking to a myth that a lot of us buy into, um, which is like, it has to be the one thing, like, what is your life's path? And we speak in very singular, definite mm-hmm. language of what is the one thing that you're called to do? And and then like making that as specific as possible, when in reality, um, I just think in so many aspects of life, not just career and calling, there's no like I have arrived. It, yeah. A calling is a very active thing. It's not a one point thing. It's um, a life. It's leading a life of having a relationship with your creator and following his conversation and his directions not just this one thing. So right now you fulfilling your calling to care for um, the poor and the needy and all of those things has one expression that's, it seems great for now. It it will probably change in five years, 10 years, whatever, or even a year. I don't know. Um, And it, it just will always be changing and you're always going to have to lean into what is God calling me to do right now in this decision I have to make in this plan I'm creating and this job offer I might or might not take all the time. Exactly. Um, I think about first Thessalonians so much when I think about my own calling or God's will for my life, or when people are asking about that, um, you know, what, how do I know the will for my life? mm -hmm. First Thessalonians, when it talks about give thanks to God and all things, this is the will of God for your life. <laughs> you know, like that, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but um, like you want to know the will for, you know, God's will for your life. Just be thankful for all that he's given to you and for the opportunities ahead of you. 
And he says specifically, this is the will of God for you. And I love that because I think it, it actually touches on a few things if you dig into it a little bit. Um, one, just giving praise back to God for the life and the opportunities and the blessings that he's given to you is, is glorifying to him, which is our ultimate purpose is you know, to bring glory to God. Um, but additionally, I think that mindset like ensures that you're one in communication with him if you're giving things, and, and that's key, um, in hearing a calling. And two, I think it just requires some level of keeping your hands open. And you know, this is where I'm at right now. I appreciate it. But in being thankful for it, I realize that it's, it's a gift. You know, the, my position, my abilities, my past are all a gift from you. And so if you call me to give it back to you or to let it go, I don't have as visceral of a reaction because, you know, I'm already giving thanks. I'm acknowledging that it's yours to begin with and not of yes. my own creation. So I feel like that actually has several kind of components that are necessary to position yourself to be ready to hear you know, a direct call from God if, if, you know, one comes or as one comes. Mm -hmm. um, but additionally, to just lead a life that is aligned with his will and his calling. So. Heck, yes. Uh, I, I think now it's just becoming apparent in our conversation that we're acknowledging the reality of a calling is not one thing. It's not one point. It's many things. And we're called to so many things in the Bible. A calling is not even remotely just related to your career is actually more so related to leaving a leading a faithful and holy life to obeying God's commandments to having a relationship with him to honoring him to giving thanks for all things and these these are broad categories and it's more of a way of life it's not just this one thing or the career that you're meant to have that you really might just want because it would make you feel better about yourself it's like no that it's not that at all um but in regards to the multifaceted nature of the topic of calling, I also see in your life and career and the way you've handled things, like you acknowledge that following your calling is not just following a, I don't know, a desire you have to serve a certain group of people or serve a certain cause as you were mentioning, it's also to use your nature and who God created you to be to serve that cause in the best way that you can. Because uh, if we aren't acknowledging that, of course, um, our younger selves would just kind of probably think of things stereotypically. Oh, I need to go into ministry. I need to just share the gospel to these certain groups of people. And that is, that is, um, how I will live out my calling in my career. And that's just one way. And in reality, like, I think that a real strength of yours and um, a reason why we could get together today and celebrate um, what, how God has led you in your career and what's happened as a result of that is because you acknowledge who did God make me to be? Like, what are the qualities and the strengths that he instilled in me? And what's my nature that he made me to have? And that being um, <laughs> very risk tolerant, strategizing, entrepreneurial, innovative, um, like 
hardworking and all these things and you've used that to serve the end that you feel called to. So how, how did you come to realize that? Like, did you, uh, of, I'm specifically asking about like, what was the process of, if you had one, of realizing, oh, you know, God made me with these qualities and I, I think I need to go do something about them. Was that a part of your journey or were, was your decision more based on other realizations about yourself? I'm sure that was a part. Yeah. And I think the process for me, unfortunately, was probably a lot of trial and a lot of error um, along the way. But I think you're exactly right when it it seems almost negligent to some degree to uh, understand your passions and your interests and your strengths and then ignore all of them to, you know, follow the first instinct or maybe the first or most clear iteration of of what you feel called to. Um, All of those things were put into your life, you know, by God. Mm -hmm. And so not saying that uh, God will never use someone who, you know, in a way that doesn't align with what they feel strong in. Scripture certainly has... uh, times and, and stories of people being called well out of their, um, their strengths. Mm-hmm. But it is certainly that God puts experiences into your life and interests and passions into your life that guide you to uh, you know, the, the path that he, that he has for you. So mm-hmm. I do think that it's important to acknowledge those and understand kind of how that's led. And I think so much i've I've been so fortunate so blessed um to have both family um friends like you and uh experiences throughout some of those really pivotal times mm-hmm. that have helped remind me of that and you know put focus on that whether it be conversations you know late at night through senior year or um even you know classes within the business school or whatever that help you hone in on some of that. And, and that does require a degree of reflection um, and just time. That's something I, just on a quick side note, I don't often give myself enough time to think about things. I feel, you know, thoughts should be immediate or instantaneous and they're just not like deep things or complex things do require actually scheduled time to, you know, to really, <laughs> digest them or think through them and your values your interests your skill set your gifting um are all things that yeah you you have to dig into to really um identify and see if that aligns with you know where you're at and where you're headed Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm curious just for the people listening to be able to I guess, honestly, they might start to get glimmers of seeing themselves in you and wonder like, oh man, I I really admire his career. Um, How might I get into that? I'd love to first ask you like to say like, what are, how would you describe your strengths and your qualities um, that make you a fit for the career that you now have? And then kind of second fold, I would love to transition into 
just some quick advice if you have any, I'm sure you do, for someone who might be interested in getting into the startup world? Well, first and foremost, you know, I would recommend talking to someone who has a proficiency in helping guide that process, you know, like, like you, like Kelsey Kemp, for instance. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> but in addition to that, uh, I think some of the things that make me um, able to <laughs> at least function or stay afloat in kind of this world, one, a very high tolerance for risk, almost, you know, an enjoyment of risk. If you don't enjoy the roller coaster, don't jump on it. It's just going to make you sick. Um, Give you a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, honestly, though, um, there are, I have tons of time now, like within weeks of us talking that uh, you're know, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? My friends are making so much more, you know, on this path, this could all fall apart. And you know, in no time, da da da, whatever. And uh, if you don't have that, or if you wouldn't enjoy that or be able to work through that, don't don't join. Um, important to have a support system, support group through that process. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have that now, no worries. You can find that. You know, but that's an important piece of success in this world. Um, luckily. You can also just engage kind of in the startup world. And we all feel the same way. We all feel like our whole you know, careers are on the edge of falling apart at any moment. And so we can get together and you know, talk about that. Um, but so very risk tolerant. Um, there's a degree of self-discipline that's required, especially in the earliest stages of a startup you know, as, as a founder. Um, you create your own schedule, you create your own destiny. Um, so having to, you know, really wake up, get to work and, and get what you need to get done, done um, is, is very important. And then lastly, just the ability to problem solve and, and innovate through uh, the myriad of problems that, that you get hit with all the time um, is important. The only caveat I'd put on that is I'm not sure that at the very beginning I would have described myself as a particularly innovative person. I think I always would have described myself as a problem solver, but I was not the type early on or before I got into the startup world to be thinking of new business ideas all the time or looking at the world and like, ah, oh, that could be better. I, I can think of a way to create a product or a service that would make that better, you know, those kinds of things, somewhat diving into that, you know, pool um, immerses you in that perspective. And, and if you see some hints of that there, um, practice will, will bring that to the surface and being in that world will start to train your mind to think in that way. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, if you're very, everything has to be prescribed to me and for me, then it's probably not a good fit. But if there's an, an inkling of, um, of independent thought and problem solving and um, finding yourself taking you know, initiative in outside of your set tasks um, in your job or in your field of study, then that's a really good sign that, uh, that 
that required level of, of innovation and creative thought is, is there and uh, practice will continue to hone that skill. Um, so I, I would say that those are some of the key things. Being, you know, having an innovative or creative um, mindset, skill set, um, being able to tolerate the risk that comes with startups, mm -hmm. um, and just having the drive and self-discipline to get out yeah. of bed and work every day. Yeah. Outside of that, you can pretty much Google everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. So for all of the kind of obvious um, hardships that come along with startups, mm -hmm. what makes you love it and continue to come back for more? So there's something odd about startup founders where some of that thing that you like are the hardships. Um, you know, the, the thing that requires the risk tolerance is also what I love. Mm. Um, yeah. But in addition to that, I love the fact that, that I do truly feel like I'm driving a car now instead of being dragged along some train. I love the fact that to some degree, um, I get to kind of shape what my future looks like. Um, if I, you know, if I make a sale, then that's, uh, you know, one more customer, you know, one more flow of, of resources into, you know, my organization. Mm -hmm. um, and getting to shape even the daily aspects of my life. You know, if I, for instance, uh, we had some several health scares over the fall with one of some of Lauren's family. Um, and so they live in Arkansas and we got to spend, you know, probably three or four weeks in Arkansas, just being with them, being in the hospital, helping that recovery process. And that meant a ton for us as a family. So to be able to just work from Arkansas for a while, if we needed to, um, or uh, take some of those, outside of the norm vacation times um, has been really, you know, that flexibility, I guess, in your career is, uh, is really valuable to me. And then just the, yeah, just the adrenaline and excitement of building something, you know, building an organization. Um, this product, this service didn't hardly exist before, at least not in the iteration that I'm putting on it. Um, and now we get to see it grow into something that's, you know, starting to change my region or my state or even my country or the world in some meaningful way yeah. um, is, is really, really exciting. And, and I don't, I think I get, I get addicted to that kind of thing. I don't think I can, could go back to just being, Same. feeling like a cog in a system that's replaceable. Um, and you, know, you, do your, you do your job that's prescribed to you and you'll get your 3% raise at the end of the year. Sounds like torture. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know that's like the supreme blessing to many souls, but not, not the kind that are cut, cut from the cloth we are. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I will say there is no, I truly believe there's no better time in history than now to start a company. Yes. It's yes, amazing. Yes. The online resources uh, that, 
you know, are very, very cheap. Now the cost of starting a company and the knowledge set even required to do so is so much less than, than yeah. ever before. Um, your most expensive thing is incorporating, uh, which costs $300 and like 15 minutes. Um, and you don't even incorporate until like you're a size that requires you to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, you, you can easily start a company for like 15, 20 bucks. And yeah. uh, that's, that's not an encouragement to, to do so if that's not right for you, if you're hearing all those things and you're yeah. like, yeah, none of those really sound like me. <laughs> then don't do it, obviously. Don't. But if you have that feeling, that draw, uh, once you really dive into it, I think you'll realize, you know, the the water's nicer than uh, you're not as scary as maybe it seems from the outside. Yes. I'd love to hear your advice to, well, the people listening who are, might be at fault, of course, at various stages of feeling connected or starting to get an inkling of what their calling is. But for people who still feel a little ways off mm-hmm. from finding and doing the work that they're called to do, what, if any, like additional points of wisdom would you, or encouragement would you like to share with them? That's a great question. The biggest thing that comes to my mind as people kind of dig into that and try to figure out what is God's calling for my life? What is the path that he has for me? Um, It can be really daunting, almost scary, especially if you're feel like you're running down this certain path, mm-hmm. not knowing if it's the right path. Um, and you're like, I, this, I might be running the total opposite direction. My, my encouragement there would be, if you're living a life that's connected to God and you know, you're engaging with him and in that relationship, engaging with scripture and having these thoughts, having these questions, mm-hmm. um, listening to this podcast, <laughs> trying to discern that uh, that calling for your life and, and living in accordance with that, thankful for the blessings that he's put in your life, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. God's too big and you're too small to like mess it up, to accidentally <laughs> like just ruin the plan that God had for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he... He is, ar- he is designing and the architect of each you know, twist and turn and unexpected thing that pops into your life. And you are not strong enough, big enough, whatever, to screw that plan up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's, I guess, my encouragement is that you know, if you're trying to follow the will of God in your life, and you're trying to uh, discern that calling. He's going to lead you along. He's he's going to lead you along that path, and you're not going to accidentally fall off of it and you know go into you know some like the 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 desert for for you know forty years. Uh, he's uh, he's going to you're going to walk along the path that he has set out for you as long as you're trying to, to do so. Um, yes. <laughs> as long as you're trying to do so. I think that this is totally summing up, uh, I think one of the most life-changing points uh, to me 
that I've embraced is that of all the billion mistakes we fear making, I think that the one of the only ones we should be concerned about making on a daily basis is being disconnected mm-hmm. from God and all the things that that leads to, you know, just like choosing my will, not, not seeking um, time to pray and have a connection uh, to God through his word and all those things. Truly, <laughs> I, I think if we're just focused on that connection, as you're saying, um, of lead, leading a life in which we are seeking to do God's will, then he, he's going to work with that. Yeah. He, he will work with it. And um, otherwise, like God is too big and we're too small to mess it up, as you said. So powerful. What an encouragement. <laughs> um, I love that. Also, um, I do want to just jump back real fast for like the tactical things because I, I don't know. I'm personally curious and I'm sure some who are listening are curious as well of like practical steps for people who are interested in getting into the startup realm. What would you recommend they, they start with? Thank you for bringing that back up. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things that I'd recommend. One, start reading more articles um, surrounding entrepreneurship and surrounding startups. And that will help you begin to engage in um, both the skill set and the, the startup community. Um, so if, if you want a place to start, Paul Graham is the founder of an accelerator called Y Combinator. Um, that's the accelerator that Airbnb, Stripe, Reddit, uh, several very you know, significant companies came out of. Um, he has some great thoughts on, on startups, on uh, early company strategy, that kind of thing. So just start really engaging with some of Paul Graham's essays. Um, that'll lead you to other Y Combinator founder and, and partner essays um, that are also great resources and start to help you engage with the forums and the communities of, of that environment. Um, so that's a great place to start. If you have an idea of a company that, you know, just, it's been on your mind for a long time now, uh, you're really excited about it, start to float that idea to some people and not just your friends and family who will almost assuredly tell you that it's a great idea, but also engage with, you know, the customer set of, of what your idea is related to and, and see how that goes. See if it's something they'd pay for. Um, if you don't have an idea, but you want to engage in that startup world where I was when I jumped into startup stuff, um, startups are kind of hard to, to get jobs in, not going to lie, because they're just one, they have no money. Um, so they are hesitant to hire people and two, they have no money. So they uh, can't really pay for traditional job postings. The places to look, though, are a place called AngelList. Um, AngelList is a great online resource for, really, it's for companies to raise money on, um, but it's turned into almost a job board as well. So check those out. Those, are, those companies are also kind of vetted a little bit. So you know, there's a little bit higher likelihood of success um, with those companies. So check out AngelList. Um, and check out any local incubators or accelerators near you. Um, 
almost every major city, major town has some incubators, some accelerators. Uh, for this purpose, those are basically the same thing. Um, see if there are ways where even on a volunteer basis, maybe you can engage with those organizations and uh, that'll help you engage with some of the more promising startups in your area who have just raised some money, who are growing quickly and who might be wanting to hire. Ah, gold. Oh, you should have included like step number four, just move to Austin and I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could just throw a rock and hit someone in a startup. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for moving to a startup hub too, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. San Fran, Austin, something like that. But mostly it does make it but mainly. the best. <laughs> it does make it easier to engage with that community, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like just even at my church, there's a couple uh, startup founders, incubator founders, uh, VCs. It's so crazy. But awesome. anyway. Um, One more thing I would recommend. Oh, y Combinator has something called Startup School. Um, it's a online thing. Everyone gets accepted into it. It's just an online course, really totally free um, and has a great mixture of really great lessons to help you evaluate your startup ideas, um, learn how to pitch to investors, those kinds of things, um, as well as weekly um, sessions where you'll engage with between four and eight other startup founders, Wait, usually in your area all for free um, and then you actually at the end of it have a chance to win a, a free $10,000 grant from Y Combinator um, by applying to actual Y Combinator. It's really just a big lead magnet for the incubator Y Combinator. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> but you know, VOCO has, has gone through that twice. We won that grant once. Um, amazing. Would highly recommend the program even if you're at the very earliest stages of an idea. Um, a lot of people in the program haven't quit their day jobs yet even, um, but it's a great way to kind of engage with that community. Amazing. Thank you so much for all of that practical, tactical tips, uh, which, Absolutely. you know, I love the existential, you know me, I love the philosophical, but it's always great when we can mix in the high level and the low level. So for anyone interested in getting into startups, if you relate to uh, kind of the nature that Alden and I relate to having, then I'm sure that they will find so much uh, helpful and good stuff in the resources you mentioned and in the encouragement and advice that you shared. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this time with me, sharing your advice uh, with the listeners, well, and me. I'm totally learning from this. So thank you so much, Alden, for being here. Thank you, Kelsey. It was a pleasure. Wasn't that incredible? I can personally attest to how insightful, wise, and encouraging Alden is. And today, I'm just so grateful that y'all got to share in that. Don't forget to grab the free in-depth guide and workbook I created for you to help you define your core values and actually leverage them to make career and life decisions that will be satisfying in the long run. You could download it through the link in the show notes of this episode, or if it's easier through the pop-up on the homepage of my website, kelseykemp.com. 
I hope that this guide and this podcast will move mountains for you as you seek clarity in pursuit of leading a career that God has actually called you to. So one free, easy way that you could help your girl out (laughs) as well as plus others by getting the word out there about this podcast is by a few things. Just quick, easy, simple. One, the first is subscribing to the show wherever you love to listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is, like we're everywhere. So you never miss out on an episode and you could just get it right to your phone the second it's published each Tuesday. And the second way that you can support this show is by just with one finger, one movement, just tap the stars at the bottom of the uh, podcast page to leave a rating. Just these two clicks, one, subscribing, and two, leaving a rating by tapping the stars is huge in helping the listening platforms that you enjoy. Let them know that this show exists and that you care about it and that others should know it exists too. The third way that you could support the show is by leaving a review. This is so, so simple, just like the first two steps. It's just leaving a few quick words about what this show means to you, why you enjoy it, why you would recommend it, and how it's helped. So easy. Um, And I would love to personally thank you and give you a shout out if you choose to do that. Just leave your Instagram handle or your LinkedIn page if you want to connect there, and I'd be happy to do that. The last way is screenshot as you're listening and share it and tag me on it on Instagram or LinkedIn. I don't know about you, but my friends and I are always on the hunt for good podcasts. So if you think that this should be considered among the list of good podcasts that you enjoy, then let your friends know about it and share it with them on Instagram um, so that they know about the impactful interviews and lessons I share each week to help you and your friends find and follow your calling so you could lead an impactful and fulfilling career. That is all I appreciate you so, so much. And I'm so grateful and honored that you're here. So that is all friends. I will see you next week. Bye.